Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Let's have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Welcome to the MTO Podcast. This is episode 65. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of NBA playoffs today. Obviously, that's the, the main thing going on. We're going to sprinkle in a little bit of baseball and go from there. But let's go ahead and get started. Uh, a lot to digest with this week's uh, games, basketball, and, and the playoffs. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the series that are pretty much over already. Um, kind of get into what we think the team that's going to prevail and what their prospects are going to the next round and the team that's going to lose, um, what we think they need to get to that next level. We're going to run through those. And then the series that are a little closer and tighter, we'll break those down because I don't see any reason to break down any of these three, one series. Cause for all intents and purposes, I think they're over with, um, starting with, let's go with the Hawks first, the heat, the heat pretty much let everybody know that last game was a fluke. They decided to go ahead and dominate this game. Jimmy Butler kind of took it over. Clearly looks like the best player on the court, night in and night out. Even in the game they lost, he still had a really good game. What do you think about the Heat's chances going forward? Because I know you were saying you were, it was going to be based on what you saw from Jimmy Butler. And we're seeing some things from Jimmy Butler. So what do you think about the Heat going forward? I like the Heat. I really do. I like the way they're playing against Atlanta. Uh, they came out strong. I, I thought this was actually going to maybe be not a tough series for the Heat, but I thought maybe Atlanta would put up more of a fight than they're showing and putting up at the moment. But I think the Heat, as much as I like them in this series, I think they fall into my my new Tatum rule that we kind of talked about yesterday. And for the people, I'm going to let you guys in on my new Tatum rule that I have. And it's kind of going off the old LeBron rule. The old LeBron rule was, but this was for the finals. My Tatum one is, can you win a shit? But the LeBron rule was, are you in LeBron's conference, yes or no? The answer used to be, if it was yes, then you probably weren't going to the NBA finals. If it was no, then you had a chance. I kind of changed that now because LeBron's getting older. He's missed the playoffs. You don't know if he, you know, it's not the old LeBron. So my new thing for that is, is your best player better or worse than Jason Tatum? If he's better or equal to, you have a chance to win the ship. If he's not, then I'm not sure about you. I don't think that you could probably win an NBA championship. And right now, I think that he fall into that team of you don't have a player who's as good as Jason Tatum. And that, to me, scares me, especially with the Heat fall into their slumps of not scoring. Uh, Bam's not exactly 100% healthy. You have Lowry now missing games. Who knows what his... Uh, condition is what his injury status is and i'm just i don't know if i can believe in this team long term going all the way in the playoffs i i love jimmy as a playoff player i he brings it every playoffs he's a dog he's out there giving it his all i mean we all know the uh we all know the meme or the gif you know of him bent over during the finals basically putting it all out there that we use all the time like so that is jimmy jimmy is gonna give you buckets as they say so as you know, we believe that they're going to finish off the series with the Hawks. I don't know how much further I have them going. They, uh, their next opponent would be the Sixers if they both teams move on. And 
I just like that matchup more for the Sixers with Embiid going for than with the Heat. If their best player is going to be Jimmy Butler, Butler, no disrespect, but he's not better than Jason Tatum in my eyes. So I just don't know if I can. I have the Heat going much further than getting past the Hawks in this round. I will tell you on there the same thing that I told you when you told me this initially with your Jason Tatum rule. I feel like that's a very high bar because I don't know how many. That's kind of another thing that I want to get into. We'll see if we have time to fit it in. But how many teams got a player better than Jason Tatum? Like, honestly, there's an argument to be made right now. There's not a team in the West outside of Denver that's got a better player than Jason Tatum. Like, that's a. I know Steph Curry plays in the West right now. I know he does. But the way Jason Tatum's playing right now, as far as static, like in this particular, right now, I'm not sure Steph Curry's playing better than Jason Tatum is right now. So, I mean, I guess that, that would be your equal to, I guess, at that point in time. is Because I don't think he's worse than Jason Tatum per se, but... That's the most impressive player in the playoffs to me so far is but Jason Tatum, not just with what he does offensively. We already knew that. But the fact that he is kind of <clears throat> basically going toe-to-toe with Durant on the defensive end and doing a hell of a job. But I think there saw a stat where he's holding them when he's the primary defender to like 20% field goal percentage. Now, I know Durant doesn't look all the way right, but still, there hasn't been a time in his career where I've seen Kevin Durant guarded as well, to be honest with you. We'll get into that later, obviously. That's a different playoff series. But I just think your Tatum rule is a little bit of a high bar because I think at this point in time, there's an argument to be made that he's a top 10 player in his league. And I think that's a pretty easy argument to make right now. But I don't think it is if we're talking about winning an actual NBA championship. Now, I'm not saying just get into the NBA final. I think a lot of teams are capable of getting there. But if you're going to win... You probably have to have that top tier player. And if I'm looking at who's left in the playoffs, um, there's not that many of them. Like, and when you were talking about Steph, Steph, when Steph is Steph, he opens up the court more than anybody ever because of his range and what he can do. It's nobody can do that. Nobody can open up the court that much than what Steph can do. So, Steph is definitely equal to or in that tier when he is on his game. So going back to like the Heat and what we're talking about, I just don't believe they have that top-end player. So like I said, yeah, they are capable of getting to a finals, but I don't think they can win one because I do not believe they have that Jason Tatum-type level of player to get them over the hump of winning four games in an NBA Finals. It's a high bar. That's all I'm saying. Because, I mean, in that scenario, a healthy Phoenix team can't win is what you're telling me because Jason Tatum is better than anybody on that team. It is what it is. We'll, we'll move on. They didn't on. win last we'll... year, so, I mean, it kind of holds water still, right? I mean, Giannis won last year. He's a two-time MVP, better than Tate. Like, so it holds it hold weight so far. Okay. <laughs> I guess this is where I'll go with that. Okay. We'll see what happens with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, Steph, obviously, is fully healthy. He's definitely on that level or above it. So I agree with that. But is he fully healthy? Like, I don't know how this rule works if he's not fully healthy Steph. Does that count the same? He looked pretty healthy today, though, so I don't know. We'll see. Again, let's go back to the Hawks heat. For me, I think the biggest thing takeaway that I have from this is I feel like this is kind of the Jimmy Butler vindication tour, Um, not only for his play on the court, because he's been outstanding all series, but I was kind of thinking about this with watching, you know, with Ben Simmons, you know, and his 
colorful jacket and attire on the bench, not playing. Um, also not playing game four. We'll get more to that later. And then with Carl Anthony Towns kind of showing his lack of back basketball acumen sometimes and getting dumb fouls and making dumb plays um, and not always playing winning basketball, so to speak. We kind of killed Jimmy Butler for being a bad teammate. And we talked about this, that, and the third and made him out to be the villain in these scenarios. But when you think about who he was a bad teammate too, it was Ben Simmons and it was Carl Anthony Towns. And I think at this moment in time, we're kind of seeing what Jimmy Butler was seeing. And we're now, as the media, kind of saying all the same things that Jimmy Butler was saying. And so I feel like he's owed an apology because we crushed that man for a while saying that he was a team killer and this, that, and the third because of how we quote-unquote treated those two players and young stars in this league at the time um cat is still a young star i don't think ben simmons is a star anymore i think i think that's faded but anyway i think my man's owed an apology because he's kind of proven to be right at least a little bit because we've seen exactly what he saw and i just think he's a competitor and it's kind of the same reason why we love jordan and jerry rice's because they got after people now jimmy butler is not that same kind of talent but that doesn't mean that he can't get after people in that same way. And if we're going to commend certain players for it, then we can't then kill Jimmy Butler for doing the same type of stuff. So that's kind of my spiel on that. As far as the series, it's not that interesting. The Heat are just a better team. Um, I think that I still think that they don't score enough for me to think that they're going to get too far. I could see them beating Philly. I don't think, I think Philly can be a flawed team sometimes. So, I don't know that I'm going to take them over Philly, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did beat Philly. But they're not beating Milwaukee. <laughs> so that's that's not happening. So um, I think the Heat are kind of probably second round exit, best case scenario, conference finals. And then if, if they get to the conference finals, I see them losing in like five, maybe six. So I think they definitely have a ceiling, but honestly, they're performing better in this round than than I even thought they would. And I had them winning in six, I believe. And I think they went in five now. So for the Hawks, man, what do you think the Hawks need to take the next step? I think they got to find another, they got to find a reliable score, a reliable number two score besides Trey. You know, I think I like bogey, but he comes off the bench and he's kind of, he's always injury prone. I feel like he's always got some nicks and nicked up and stuff and kind of missing games. And Gallo's older, and you can't really rely on him. And John Collins, I wouldn't say, is a score. So I think you got to find something, uh, somebody to relieve the pressure off of Trey. You know, I think the uh, Heat really keyed in on him. And with him being a smaller player, it takes a lot more for energy out of him, you know, to get things going, especially for him. He shoots a lot of long threes, man. And those things wear on you when you're putting up a lot of long threes and just – really shots that aren't the greatest of shots. I don't, I wouldn't say that he gets a lot of good, clean looks. And I don't know if that's just the sets that they run or just the offense or whatever, but definitely if they had a, I mean, I'm not saying they could get this guy, even if they had a CJ McCollum type, you know what I mean? Like there's somebody who else who can get buckets that, you know, can get buckets. And I just don't know if they have that. Well, I know they don't have that guy on the roster, but they need that type of player to help out Trey young win. He's being keyed on so much and just nobody can get it going for me. You know, I just thought about, and this kind of goes back to our last podcast is when I'm thinking about them is I don't think they have anybody that can get an interior bucket. 
Like they, because like, I like John Collins, but he's not exactly just going to go bully anybody. He's kind of sl- slightly built. He kind of uses more athleticism. And he's also a pretty good shooter. If you could somehow resurrect him from a health standpoint, I think Zion's a great fit for Atlanta. Like honestly, because a pick and roll with with Zion and Trey, I mean, you know he could finish. He can get inside buckets. Capella would be a good. Well, I don't know if Capella would be a great fit because of the fact that then you're clogging the lane because you have two. But having a defensive center would be a good pairing with him. You Obviously, you have Trey who can get buckets on the outside. They, I think they can make the game easier for each other. And they're both young to where you could build around those, those two as a core. And then you have a guy like Bogey. He's not your second scorer anymore. He's more your third scorer. And then Herter's just a shooter, which helps Trey. Hunter's a shooter. Well, can shoot. Which helps, uh, I said helps Trey, helps Zion. So then you have a team around them that has a bunch of shooters around Zion who can patrol the paint. I think that would be a really good fit. Like I said, if I'm the Pelicans, I make Zion available. I really think that could work for both teams. Pelicans could get like John Collins back and maybe a draft pick, something like that. I think that should be enough. Or, hell, I've said I think the Pelicans should probably go with more of a defensive center, so maybe get John Collins and Capella off of them, because I think that could definitely help for them. I don't know, man. I think that would be that's something they should explore, because to your point, I do think they need more scoring, but I think they need more interior scoring, because I think everything's hard for them when they play against a good defensive team, because they're all jump shooters. Like They don't have anybody that's getting to the basket. And so having a guy like Zion that's kind of can obviously force and muscle his way into some uh, points in the paint, I think could be really beneficial for them. Yeah, I didn't even think about them having basically just so much lack of scoring inside. I just, just basically, just the glare was just, you just need points in general, but definitely somebody who can get points inside and rack up some fouls to where you can get to the free throw line definitely would uh would help the cause. Yeah, so go ahead and make that trade, Hawks fans. Thank me later, you know. I'm everybody's GM until I'm somebody's GM. That's kind of the way I look at it. Going to the Bulls versus Bucks series, kind of, they are who I thought they were. This is exactly how I thought this would go down. I'm just glad we got the one uh, before we got blown out a couple times in Chicago. Um, this series is over. To me, I think the Bucks are the favorite to win. I'm going to say the title. I was going to say the East, but if I had to pick somebody to win the ship right now, I know it's kind of like picking a one seed in the NCAA tournament, given the fact that they won last year, but that would be my favorite because the team is very complete. I see the Bucks coming out the East for sure, and then we'll see what happens in the finals. But I've been very impressed with the Bucks because they can win in so many different ways. Chris Milton gets hurt. They don't even lose a beat. Grayson Allen comes in and basically does his best Chris Milton impersonation and just gives you 25 one night and then 27 the next night. It's like nothing happened. Bucks are going to be a tough out, that's for sure. Ugh. I'm not as sold on the Bucks as you are. I, I, I like them. Don't get me wrong. But if they got to go up against that Celtics team next, I think that's a team they're going to have problems with because they hit their little slumps where they have, a, I think they have trouble scoring. Now, I, they're not having trouble scoring versus the Bulls, but I think that's more or less a fact of them just kind of getting more opportunities because the Bulls are making shots. Like, the Bulls just don't have many shooters, so they're just kind of getting out a, a lot of rebound out and running, which is what the Bucks do with Giannis because – that's what he does best is basically getting the rebound and taking it 
full court if he can because he's a freak of nature. But if they got to go up against a team like Boston who can lock up and who plays seemingly seems plays Giannis pretty well and has a game plan for people like Giannis since their game plan for KD is working out pretty well at the moment. I'm not sure they're going to just run through the Celtics, especially if Middleton, who knows what Middleton's coming back. Like they're reevaluating them in a couple weeks, but his knee might turn into Ben Simmons back. And then next thing you know, we may never see Middleton again. So I'm not as confident in the Bucks as you are. Like, I think if they get healthy, I think they can definitely make another run at it, but I got to see Middleton back on the court and healthy before I can, I can go, I have them winning the ship. Well, I mean, the thing for me is like with Boston, basically against, against Brooklyn, they just key in on two people and then they can just condense the lane and make them jump shooters. You can't really do that against Milwaukee because they have so many shooters on the court. So you have to kind of stay home because you can't leave Bobby Porters. You can't leave Brooke Lopez. You can't leave Grayson Allen. You can't leave Pat Connaughton, Wes Matthews. Like you have to stay out on those dudes. Whereas, I mean, okay, Bruce Brown had 25 points, but are you really going to beat me because Bruce Brown's getting wide open shots? Like, is that how you're going to win these games? So, and Claxton and Drummond aren't giving them anything inside. So they have people that you can leave with Brooklyn and you're not, you're not, you'll live with that if they beat you. Like, you don't have that guy with Milwaukee. Like, they don't have a player in their rotation that can't shoot. I mean, Giannis is the dude that shoots the worst, but he's the one with the ball in his hands anyway. So, and then also defensively, like, we've seen, we've had, we've talked about Boston struggling to score. We haven't seen that because Brooklyn doesn't guard anybody. But that's not the same scenario with Milwaukee. Milwaukee can guard. So, I see your point with Middleton. I think Middleton matters. I think it'll be a tough series. I'm not saying it's going to be in five or anything like that. But specifically with the whistle that Giannis has been getting, because, I mean, I know I'm biased. I'm a Bulls fan, but they've been kind of babysitting my guy a little bit. So if they're going to babysit him like that, then I don't see how you stop them because he's already 30 a night. But if everything's a foul, too, and you got now all your players are in foul trouble because you're trying to wall off and you're getting called for it, I don't see how you do anything with that. So... I mean, it'll be interesting. It'll, I think it's a series that we're going to see next round because I believe that's the two and three. I guess we'll see sooner than later. So honestly, I think for Boston, like you said, I think it's better to see them now because that's a better chance that you're not getting Middleton back. I don't know, man. We'll see. I think it'll be an interesting series. I'm just, I'm not so high on, on I'm not as high on Boston as other people are because I think a lot of what we're seeing in that series is the Nets kind of, falling apart now don't get me wrong I, I think boston's playing really well but the nets are in shambles and i think that they're benefiting from that as well so i'll have to see it with a team that's not imploding um so i guess both teams have something to prove for us um but before we switch gears there what do my bulls need man help, help us out how do we how do we get to that level i mean Probably some outside shooting, definitely. I mean, we were just kind of talking about it before the podcast about the guys who were putting up shots that were in just, it, whoo. Yeah, shooting definitely is a key. Um, health, I mean, right, you said right now, you're without Caruso, ball has been out the whole series. Um, having those two guys definitely would help if you have them full time. I know Caruso went out today, whatever. Um, 
shooting maybe a defensive backup center for Vooch just because he's he's good on the offensive end, but he's not really a defensive guy. I feel like if you definitely have centers like that that are like a Valanchunas basically also, then you got to have a backup who's defensively, you know, has a defensive mindset because sometimes that's just what you need. You don't always need that scoring big. You need a guy who's just going to be back there to be intimidating and block shots, get a good defensive rebound. So maybe a good defensive backup center and just a couple of shooters on the perimeter for when you have a DeRozan driving and who can kick to some guys or uh, ball when he's healthy, able to do his thing and kick to some guys. There's a couple shooters on the perimeter. I mean, I would say go get Duncan Robinson, but he's a little overpriced at the moment. So just an underpriced shooters is what I would say. Yeah. I mean, I would double down. I think we need more than one. I think we need a couple of shooters because I mean, with DeRozan not really being a shooter, Levine just doesn't seem to be comfortable just kind of spotting up. It's kind of not his in his nature. Even when he gets the ball in a kick out, he's kind of like Harden where he feel, I feel like he wants to put the ball down because um, he can shoot that, but it just doesn't seem like what he really prefers to do. So having a couple higher guns that can hit a shot. Um, I think Kobe White's a good player, but I think he's really stunted with this roster because he's more of a scorer than he is a shooter and DeRozan and Levine looking at him like, nah, this ain't, <laughs> we got the scoring thing on, on lock. So I think maybe moving him for someone who's a better fit. Um, and then to your point, I think having a better defensive center, I don't know, like it's crazy to me because if you're young and you're a role player and you win a ship early, like you'll just get chances after chances. And that's Tristan Thompson, because I don't see any reason why he's useful to an NBA team. But he stay on an NBA team because he got that ship uh, with Cleveland, and he played a role in that. And, again, I've talked about it before, how we over overrate and overpay role players sometimes, and Tristan Thompson is a great example of that. I think that's an easy upgrade there. Um, but, really, I mean, I think running it back, finding a way to sign Levine, get some shooters, and get a little bit better of a bench. Um and I think they're on to something, really. But right now, outside of the big three, specifically with Lonzo being hurt, nobody else threatens you. And you can't have, you can't go up and be a championship level team with only having three people that are even a threat at all. Because Patrick Williams, okay, he had a good game today. But, I mean, we've played four games and he's, like, before today, he'd missed his last 12 shots. Like that's a that's a long streak, especially given the shots that he's getting are open shots because of the fact that Levine and DeRozan are attracting so much attention. So you got to have people that are a little more dangerous than that because uh, what it's like what Anthony Edwards said about Gobert. It's like ain't put no fear in my heart. Like that's how teams feel about Chicago when it's one of the others. It's just it doesn't scare anybody, and that's a problem. All right, so let's move to the West for a series. The Warriors versus Nuggets. Um, I want to start with this because I want to ask you a question. Um, you've been very critical of the Warriors. You said that they're done, windows closed, shut, sealed, put screws in it. It's just not opening ever again. Um, you want to take that back right about now? Because they're looking pretty good right about now. So uh, talk to me. What, what, how you feel it? Now, granted, I said that because I did not think Clay was going to be Clay. And I did not know Jordan Poole's going to be this good. <laughs> like, some things happened. Like, cut me some slack. I said it because at the time, it looked like their window was closed. Like, Draymond wasn't looking that good. Steph, Steph, I'm giving Steph just the hurt. 
I'm giving Steph was just hurt. Like I see when Steph is healthy, like he's still good. He's still got it. And he just gets nicked. He still gets nicked up kind of like he, he used to at the beginning of his career. He just seemingly like for a middle part, just stopped getting nicked up. And then last year, of course, they kind of just held him out. I don't even think he was really hurt last year or what was it last year or the year before where they just pretty much held him out because they were just trying to tank the year before. Right. Oh yeah. It might've been both. Cause they, both? Yeah, the year before, cause that's how they got Wiseman. Yeah. But so he's pretty much kind of been chilling off and on like for a year and a half. But my big thing was really clay. Like I didn't know what his body was going to look like after taking an ACL and an Achilles injury. Like that's two big things back to back on your lower extremities, especially when you do a lot of running around like clay used to do. He used to run around to get open shots. He used to run around because he was one of the primary defenders on uh, the guards because he's a great defender. And I just didn't know what that was going to look like. Now, he still has his ups and downs. There are more ups than there are downs at the beginning when he came back, which is to be, you know, had coming off of basically not playing for two years and having to knock some rust off. Like, as great a shoot as he is, it's going to take some time to knock the rust off. He's now getting to that point where it's looking like he's starting to knock that rust off. Curry going to be Curry. And if you got Poole basically being better than Barnes was when they went on their first championship run, then yeah, this team is going to be kind of back to being that same team before. And I just didn't see all those things coming together. And you got Wiggins out there basically. Well, he woke up yesterday, but he still does Wiggins things being defensively sound and just being out there, not being incompetent. So that really matters. And now with the West being kind of in shambles with the Booker injury, they're looking like they might go to the finals and maybe win this shit. So yeah, I'm, I will take it back, but I'm not taking it back all the way. Some amazing things had to happen for this team to be the kind of the old Warriors again, which they're not quite there yet, but we'll wait and see. No, 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 no. Like you, I told you, Clay. I said Clay is going to be back because his game isn't predicated on athleticism. Like, obviously, you're an NBA athlete. You need some level of athleticism, but the jumper doesn't go away. And I told you that. And you were like, nah, nah, there's no way. It's not possible. No, no, no. Modern medicine has only come so far. That's what you told me. And then, like, you're acting like we didn't see Jordan Poole before. Like, I get it. Jordan Poole spent a lot of time last year in the G League. Like, that's the only thing you ever hear anytime you watch a game. He was like, he was third team all G League. He was G League, G League, G League, G League. It's also misleading. He was 13 all G League because he also spent some time in the NBA, and so he didn't play the whole season in G League. Because I promise you, if he played the whole season in G League, he's probably first team all G League. I told you last year Jordan Poole was nice just from watching him. Like, I remember having these conversations with you. Like, this dude Jordan Poole is that dude. Apparently, I was early because apparently nobody saw this coming, and I was trying to tell people, like, this gives him an opportunity to develop because Clay's hurt, and that's how you build your bench. Turns out he developed so much that he's no longer bench. <laughs> but, well, I guess he will be once Steph comes back in the starting lineup. I don't see them starting all four, four guards like it's Villanova or anything like that. But, yeah, and then they're not even healthy. Like, that's the thing about it is, like, they're mostly healthy. But I think Wiseman matters because Wiseman's a better player than Looney, and we haven't even seen him all year. And then they're going to be developing Kaminga, who barely even plays. They're going to be developing Moody, who's also, like, the window is not closed. Even if they don't win it this year, they're going to be back next year, and they're going to be in a position 
to win a championship next year. Like they have probably there's at least three more years before I would reassess to see whether or not the windows open or close. So I never really understood where you were coming from saying that their window was closed and couldn't happen again. Like Steph isn't the top 10 player. Like clay isn't one of the best shooters we ever seen. Like Draymond green, isn't the consummate glue guy that you've ever seen. And like Jordan Poole wasn't talented. Like he's been talented that I didn't expect him to be all this, but he was going to be regardless. He was going to be off the bench score and with open court because of the fact that you have those shooters around. Come on, man. Like I've been like, we've had this argument on air. You ready to say I'm right, or what? What are we doing? You just gonna say it on air right now, or what? Let wait, or I need them to let them be healthy for a couple of years, and then you can say that their window ain't closed. But I ain't seen this team be healthy two years running since KD got hurt. So until I can see that, then okay, yeah, their window, their window is still open like a lot of teams. It's not closed. I I shouldn't have said closed. I should have said their window is still it's cracked and it's closing, but it's real. It's reopened. It's like one of those adjustable windows. That the old school ones you re- like it was closing and now you kind of got to reopen it a little bit. It's getting hot in the room. You got to reopen the window and we reopening it, but they could get hurt again and now you got to start closing it again. Like they're just not, to me, I can't rely on them because they're not always healthy. Like they, yeah, when they're healthy, they're usually winning a ship or in the title, right? Like that's basically since they started getting right when they were healthy, they basically went in a ship or in the ship. But since that time, they haven't been healthy. So now you're telling me I'm just supposed to rely on them being healthy again? Like, maybe, but I got to see it from them. So I I shouldn't have said closed. I will take the L on that. I definitely shouldn't have said their window was closed. It's still open for sure. But it ain't as wide open as it used to be. Let's put it that way. I'm going to tell you another reason why it's wide open. The West ain't good. That's just all the... It's crazy to me because we killed the East for so many years about how bad it is. And, oh, this terrible basketball in the East. Look at the West. The West is so good. They're strong. They're big. They're they're burly. That's all we did. But now when it's flipped, like, we don't even talk about the fact that the West ain't good. Like, it's basically as soon as Devin Booker got hurt, everybody was like, oh, who, what's going to happen in the West? Because that was, that was kind of like the shoe in, like, who was coming out. Devin Booker gets hurt. And then it's just like, who do you trust in the West? And the only person left, really, that I would trust out of all the teams remaining, it's got to be Golden State. Because just like you're saying Golden State can't stay healthy, neither can Denver, because Denver would be one of those teams. I ain't never seen them stay healthy, so you can't. You got to use that same logic with them. Phoenix, I mean, if we're honest, they haven't even really stayed healthy, because even in the finals, Chris Paul was playing hurt. Because, you know, he's always got something to flare up right about this time of year. So they haven't ever really stayed healthy because now Booker's hurt. And so who is this team that is going to stop them from having this open window? Because the West isn't really good. And then the teams that are good are hurt. Because, like, honestly, as, as of right now, I think there's, from a roster standpoint, there's three good teams in the West. It's Phoenix. That I guess that are ready to win a championship caliber in my mind. Because I think Memphis is good, but I don't think they're there yet, I guess is what I would say with that. It's Phoenix, it's Golden State, and it'd be a healthy Denver. I don't know if we're going to see a healthy Denver. Phoenix, at least this year, doesn't look like they're going to be healthy. Because they said two to three weeks, and I'm like, I know the playoffs are long, but two to three weeks, you might not have a chance to get healthy. You might have all summer, because the way this Pelican series is going, and we'll talk about that a little later, 
I don't know if Booker might have more than two to three weeks to get ready because he might have a whole summer to get ready. That's all I'm saying. But, I mean, Golden State's kind of the last man standing currently. So, I don't know. I think the Warriors are here to stay. I think they have a good roster. And I think now they're in the, the worst conference. So, I don't see any reason to think that they're not going to be here to stay. Because even if Clay ends up getting hurt again, which is possible once you start having injuries, now with how good Jordan Poole's become, and then, like I said, you get a Wiseman back, and he's, Wiggins is played in there, there's no reason for me to think that they're not still one of the best teams in the West because it's just not that competitive of a conference. So that's just where I'm at on it. I'll save the told you so until they actually make the finals because that was, I think, our agreement is you said that they won't make the finals for the next five years. Like, they had to make the finals in, within the next five years. This is year one of those five years, by the way. So it's looking pretty good yeah. for me these days. But a lot can change in time, so I definitely understand that it ain't over yet. I definitely didn't see the West Conference going to shit. That wasn't in the game plan. Like that, It was already shit. <laughs> I mean, I guess kind of, but I didn't, I didn't see it going to shit shit. How about that? It was shit shit last year, really. Like, because we thought it was the Lakers. The Lakers ended up getting hurt. And then Phoenix just ran the table because Denver, again, who we thought was going to be good, Murray was hurt. And then we look around and it's like, okay, I guess Phoenix is the best team in the West, right? Like, that's what happened last year. It's really because we just assumed this LeBron factor and we're just like, oh, that's going to be one of the best teams. And, well, we know what happened with the drama with the Lakers. So once you take the Lakers out of the mix, which, granted, I didn't mention them, but... You exit Westbrook, enter somebody competent that fits, and then they're right back in the mix. Don't get me wrong. like It's not like they're that far away. But currently, as constructed, they're not there. It just ain't that great of a conference. It's At most, let's say you throw the Lakers in there if they make some good trades. I'm not holding my breath. Let's just say they go get Brogdon and Heald. Let's just say they make that trade for Russell. Okay, now they're right back in the thick of it. That's still four teams, really. With... AD, love the guy to death. Can't trust him to be healthy. LeBron's getting older. He's starting to get nicked up. That didn't used to happen in his career. Even if they get Brogdon healed, okay, we know Brogdon can spend some time in the training table. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, it seems open to me. I'm not saying they're going to win a ship. I'm not saying they're a dynasty. I just think it's open. Because the team I didn't name is Utah. And that's because I just don't believe in them. They're about to be... We're about to go to the next TNT shop here soon. That's for sure. So let's go ahead and move off of that. Let's go to this. Uh, oh, you want to talk about blowing it up real quick? I think you want to talk about blowing it up real quick. It, no, it <laughs> don't matter. We can move on. No, no blowing up at the moment. I guess we got, we still had to talk about that series. So we still had an opportunity to take them to TNT shop. Um, Philly and Toronto. Uh, this series is pretty much over. I mean, Toronto got the game last time, but even in that, even within winning the battle, they lost Van Vliet potentially. I don't see any win- way that they recover from this. I think they were the worst team anyway, but having a uh, banged up Barnes, a banged up Van Vliet, Philly's going to win this series. Talk me through this potential matchup of Philly versus the Heat. Sounds like you have Philly winning that. I, I do like Philly. I think if Phil, to me, Philly's kryptonite are teams that like to get out and run. That's not exactly what Miami's going to do. So if Miami's not going to do that, then you're basically playing a half court, 
game with a team that has more weapons than you do. And like I was watching it today and on the court at one time it was like PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, Struess, Bam, and I wanna say Oladipo. It might have been someone else. I can't remember. But it just was a line that I was like, ooh, this doesn't put fear into my heart. Like like you just saw that I looked at the lineup on the crowd, I was like what are we doing here? Like, I, I'm sure it was at a point in the game where, yeah, it's subs mixed up, but still, like, that's what you're putting out on the court at sometimes. And, like, with the Sixers, you're just putting out better pieces most of the time. And I, what? I mean, they make a sub for Embiid, and suddenly the roster sounds very <laughs> similar to what you just said that team felt like. Because, I mean, you go from Embiid, okay, we got leader and score in the NBA, and then you go to Paul Reed. Who I like Paul Reed. <laughs> but then all of a sudden when you go Harden, Shake Milton, Tobias <laughs> Harris. You know what I mean? Like you could do the same thing with Philly. Let's not pretend like Philly twelve deep now. I'm not saying that, but if you're gonna stay okay, if you're gonna put your best five in the next best five for in the best five for the Heat, you're still looking at the Sixers best five going like, Oh, I like this best five better than that best five. Like you're just gonna look at it and you're gonna see that. So a lot of times, that's going to be the people on the court, and I just like what the Sixers have better, especially when the Heat go through their slumps of not scoring. And like I said, the Sixers have trouble with teams that get out and run. Heat aren't going to do that. Therefore, the Heat aren't going to run away in games from the Sixers. Like That's when the Sixers get into trouble is they're not making shots. They're not doing the things that are successful for them, and then teams are getting out and running. Like A bad matchup for the Sixers like next round would be like the Celtics because that would be a team that would know exactly what to do to get – to know that Philly doesn't do those things. Like, I don't know if the Heat, I think supposed to start smart and would know to do it. I just don't think they really have the personnel to do it. Like, they ain't maybe. Got the bodies. Just, yeah, they don't have the people just to do that kind of thing. Like, you're not going to get out and run with PJ Tucker. You know what I mean? Like, so I just think that the game. You think they could deploy Oladipo? I think that would be smart. I think they should go that route. Now, is he going to? Maybe. I, maybe they're seeing that right now. Maybe they're looking at Oladipo saying, okay, maybe we can use this next round against the Sixers, seeing what he's got this round. But I think if Miami wants to be successful against Philly, that's what they got to do. They got to get out and run. If they're going to play half court against them, I think they're going to run into foul trouble and they're going to end up having Philly shooting a lot of free throws and that's just not going to be a good thing for the Heat. Yeah, I, I, I say all that playing devil's advocate. I still got Philly. My concern with Philly is at the end of the game where they need a bucket, I don't know. They don't look like they're sure where they want to go. You would think it would be Embiid for sure, but that isn't how it's... Well, it is how it's played out, but it's always been, like, at the three-point line. And that's what's confusing me about it is they do go to Embiid at the end of the game, but even the game winner he hit... I'm like, it was a three-pointer, and like he can make that. Don't get me wrong, but that kind of concerns me that their kind of go-to is one-on-one from the three-point line with Embiid. I don't understand that, and that scares me. That seems more like a Doc Rivers issue, but we've, we're well-documented with how we feel about Doc Rivers, so let's not pretend like, <laughs> like we think that that's just some fix there. But I still think, in my mind, I, I got Philly winning that. So two questions. I've skipped the nuggets as far as what you think they need. Is it just health? 
They just need to turn off injuries. Is that the only thing that you feel like they need? <laughs> yeah, they basically need to turn off injuries on 2K. That's that's why I kind of didn't even get into them because if healthy, then this is probably a series, and we ain't talking about that Warriors window being so wide open. But you know, <laughs> I've digressed. All right, so health for the Nuggets. What does Toronto need? Uh, this, you know, what I'm gonna ask the question kind of back to you. Do they need to trade Siakam for something? Like something else? Like to just do something no, different with this j- roster? They just need a fucking footer. Like, give me somebody who's seven foot. Like, that, that, to me, that that's the missing piece. Because I really like Barnes. I like Ananobi. I think he's a good role player. I really like Van Vliet. I like Siakam. Their problem is that they can't do anything with Philly because they don't have anybody on their roster over 6'9". Like, this is the NBA. Like, you, this isn't Villanova. Like, you can't just have a bunch of six nine dudes and think that you're gonna compete with that. Specifically when you know that you play in a conference with Embiid. Like that you know that. Like it's you get to see the rosters before and you're like, okay, who's who am I gonna contend with? Oh, I get to contend with fucking seven foot Godzilla. Like, okay, maybe I should go get somebody for that. Right? Like that seems like a logical thing. Like when you beat Philly in the past, you had Marcus All, right? You had that type of guy and then you don't currently have that. So I think they need to get that. And then I really think they just need just a bucket, just a full on everybody else on this roster plays defense. Not me. I go get buckets. Like that's the two things for me is get me a seven foot big that can guard and then get me like a wing player. That's just here. Just a like a Jordan Clarkson type. Just, I'm just here to get buckets. Like we need one. That's what I do. Give me a Jamal Crawford, Jordan Clarkson, off the bench, hired gun. I think if they get those two things, then they have just as good chances as anybody because I really like that roster. Yeah, no, they definitely need some height. That became evident when we you start looking at this series. And you're like, ah, oh, you guys don't have a center, huh? Oh, that's not good. <laughs> that's not ideal against the Sixers. It's like if you do the matchup thing and you can start at like point guard, you're like Van Vliet versus Harden. Okay, yeah, you know they got Maxi and then they got Trent. Okay, all right, you got Barnes, and then um, Green, and then you got Ananobi and Tobias, and you're like okay, and then you get to center, and you're like wait, <laughs> who the fuck guarded me? <laughs> like we matched up really well until we got to five. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's you, that's a problem. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that viral video a long time ago of uh, Taco in high school, and he was playing uh, against that one dude who wasn't as tall, but he had a little weight on him. So he just put his <laughs> belly on him, and then he would look at people and be like, what you want me to do? Like That's how I feel like the Raptors are out there against Embiid. Well, the funny thing is they ain't even got nobody with the belly. Like They're 6'9 and skinny. Like, <laughs> like They're not even like big dudes, really. Like Kim Burch got a little weight to him, but still, it's just... I don't think anybody in the history of basketball was like, you know what? They got Embiid, put Kim Birch on them. That'll solve it. Like, that's just not what we're doing. So that's really what they need there. So I don't want to wait any longer. I want you to get into this. We're going to talk some Boston versus the Nets. We've already talked about how you feel about Boston and how you think they're a potential Eastern Conference champion. We've already had that conversation. Let's talk about the Nets. Talk to me about them currently and then what you see their future being going for. Okay, Celtics, move on out the way. We're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. 
I had told y'all all year about this team. All year. Well, not all year. At least about half. Or whenever Harden decided to go and Simmons came over and y'all started talking crazy again. Why do y'all put faith in people that let y'all down? Why? Like, I don't even know where I'm going to start with the team. Okay, I'm going to start with... I'm going to leave... Actually, I'm going to leave Steve Nash out of this right now because... I feel like we all see that he's not a good coach. I see your face, but we know he's not a good coach. Like, it, it is what it is with him at this point. Like, should he have ever probably even gotten this job, really? You know what I mean? Like, so let's just kind of move off him for a second. Let's go to Sean Marks now. Let's start with you. You, for right now, have basically traded James Harden for Seth Curry and Drummond. That is what you have done, my friend. I am old enough to remember a time when the Rockets were getting clowned for the trade package that they got for James Harden. I just, this one looks a little worse than the light, but I, you know, let's, let's, I'm not talking about that. We're, let's get back to the deaths. Anyway, Mr. Marks, that is who you've traded James Harden for at the moment. One is an honorary starting center, I guess, because he just starts but doesn't get minutes because you don't need him. <laughs> what happened? Is that not what he is? Is, is he that? I mean, he's kind of Kevon Looney right now. I feel okay. like there's a lot of similarities. He's an honorary starting center. And then you got Seth Curry, who, I mean, he's all right, but, I mean, he's Seth Curry. Let's be real. So, that is what you have traded for James Harden. Now, you have put that together with a team that has Ben Simmons, who back hurts, can't shoot, can't do much of anything at the moment, who quits at every turn, seemingly. I mean... LSU, when they were supposed to go to the NIT or NCAA, I don't even know. Quit there, basically. Gets to the Sixers, quits there, doesn't want to play. It's too hard, too soft. Like, why would you want that on your team? You you wanted this to add to a team that already had a flaky superstar in Kyrie Irving who misses time at the drop. Like, my who does your PTO? Like, I need that for my job. Like, where can I sign up for this? Like, my man gets paid to take the most time off out of anybody I've ever seen in my life. Like, I don't get it. He doesn't show up. Like, I would. what would the slander be for Kyrie if he never hit that shot for the Cavs and he didn't win a shit with LeBron? Because he has never made anybody better when he's around. Like, who has honestly ever been better by having Kyrie around as a player? Like, has anybody ever got... Like, because I can name players... Who Harden's been around and has gotten better when they've been around hard. Like, Kyrie makes no one better. He doesn't make his teams better. Like, honestly. Like, if they traded out, I could probably trade out five point guards for Kyrie on that Cavs team when they won that ship. Like, if you trade him out for Chris Paul, they still win that ship probably, right? Yeah, probably. Steph Curry. I mean, uh, James Harden. Like, I could go down the list probably for a while. Lillard, Westbrook, who's in his prime at that time. I mean, okay, he probably can't shoot, so let's... I don't think I'll use that one. <laughs> maybe not Westbrook. Maybe that's where we draw the line. But there was guys that you could put in that spot to take that role against LeBron. Like, we've seen it. We've seen what LeBron's able to work with, right? Like, they they, they damn near won some games when he had that horrible roster uh, when Kyrie got hurt the first year, when it was just Kevin Love out there with him. Or, no, wait... Kevin Love wasn't even out there. Didn't he get hurt? It was this deli. It was deli of a D-League. It was deli of a dove out there getting buckets. So I'm just, we give Kyrie so much credit for hitting one shot and getting a ring with LeBron, which if you play with LeBron long enough, you get to a finals and you probably get a ring if you play with him at least three years. 
So what are we talking about right here with Kyrie? Like, we cut him so much slack for hitting one big shot. And I hate that we do that because we do that all the time with big shots. Like, I find it funny that, like, Lillard's commercial, which is getting off base, the Modelo commercial, is basically him hitting, like, a first-round playoff shot that we still today hold so much water for. But I'm like, but that was just the first. Like, it anyway, this team is a mess. They've been a mess. You put faith in Kyrie, which, that's a, who does that? Like, where do you do that at? And then, I I'm, this comes to you. This is what I ask you. What kind of blame are we putting on KD? Are we putting on the KD blame for leaving Golden State to team up with Kyrie? Are we put because are we putting blame on him this whole series? Because people play bad, and I don't want to put this whole series on him. Like, where is the blame fall on KD? I don't want to put a lot on him because I think that he's kind of had to shoulder a lot of blame. Like, this isn't all his fault. Like, maybe his fault is just teaming up with Kyrie. Yeah, that's not the smartest thing. But that's where I find trouble in the blame game. Like, you, everybody likes to do the blame pie. This person gets a piece of the blame pie. This person gets a piece of the blame pie. Like, what are we doing with KD in this situation? So here's the thing, and this is probably why I would never get a job at like an ESPN or something like that is because I don't like to over sensationalize this. He's played to his standard poorly, right? Like for most people in the world, we'd be really excited with what he's done because he's still giving you 22 a night. But from a KD standard, he's played poorly. Do I think KD playing like KD would win them the series based on what I've seen? No. He'd have to be on some kind of like Dirk shit, basically, when Dirk was just wrecking the league by himself and he just had that window of time where he was arguably the best player in the league that we just didn't ever talk about. Like, he'd have to be... Like Super Saiyan KD, you know, like he can do that. Don't get me wrong. Like he can, he can do that, but it would take like an all time great playoff performance for him to take this team and beat the way Boston's playing right now, because he's seeing two or three bodies at all times. It's basically just him and Kyrie. Bruce Brown is getting wide open floaters in the middle because nobody cares if Bruce Brown scores. They just let him <laughs> let him do whatever the hell he wants to do because we're like, we're not worried about that. And he can't guard everybody, right? So can we sit here and say he's probably the reason why it's 3-0? Probably, yeah, because if he plays well, they get one of those games. Don't even, like they lost on the buzzer beater in game one. If he has a good game that game, they probably take that game pretty easy. So, yeah, is, is the fact that he's playing poorly the reason why they're probably going to get swept? Probably. But I don't know if, if he's normal KD, if they even win this series. I don't know. It's hard to say. But I don't... We do this thing where, like... I'm going to get on the tangent before I let you go back to it because I was enjoying listening. I'm going to hang up and listen here in a second. But let me go on this little tangent because this is like a like a life tangent that you see with this. And it's, it's a real big pet peeve of mine, even bigger than the 1A, 1B thing. And you know how much that shit bothers me, right? We do this thing where people can be so consistent for so many years, a la Kevin Durant, like we're talking about. And we kind of take it for granted that they're always there. We talk about it. Yeah, yeah, they're nice. Yeah, they're a good person. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then the minute that they show some like 
I don't know, human fallacy. Like <laughs> the fact that we just like, ah, oh, he now all of a sudden we're questioning whether or not he was ever good. And now he's a, he's a, a bus rider all of a sudden and his legacy ain't shit. And I'm like, bro, that's three games. Like we're talking about Kevin Durant, who's been doing this for 12 years and we're letting three games make it to where it's now we questioning his whole fucking legacy. And like, we do that as people, like you can have a friend that's been your ride or die for 10 years. And then they mess up and cancel on you on, on like the last minute or do some foul shit that, you know, people do every now and then. And all of a sudden that's his true colors this whole time. And like, my man's been holding you down for 10 years. And all of a sudden he's showing his true colors. Like, I don't think that's what happened. I think he just fucked up. Cause that's what humans do. Right. And so that's kind of my big thing with this is just like, we do this thing where we want to take back the whole history of everything we've seen because of three bad nights. Like we've seen, I've seen enough KD to where I'm just like, you know what? He's having a shit series. It's going to be a terrible way to go out. He's going to get clowned on, on Twitter, but it don't change my opinion to Kevin Durant. Like he, he ain't got nothing to prove to me. Like I get that the whole golden state move, Probably a bitch move, right? Like, but at the same time, that's that's because, like, the media does that. Fans do that. Oh, you ain't shit unless you get a ring. He's like, all right, bet I go get one. That's what he did. He went and got one. He did exactly what you tell him he has to do, and then you tell him he ain't do it the right way, right? So I'm not gonna sit here and bash on KD. He's played poorly. He's contributing to the fact that they're in shambles right now. But at the end of the day. If you ask me next year, are you picking up KD? Yeah, like right now. He was like, hey, the Bulls want him? Yeah, absolutely. We'll trade everybody for him. Like, this is Kevin Durant. Like, I'm not like I'm not going to change my opinion of him because of three games because I've already seen him for 11 years. Like, we know who he is. Like, he said it himself when he was playing against the Clippers that day. Like, I'm Kevin Durant, right? Like, we know that. So I just wish people would stop, like, being kind of, what do they call it, prisoners of the moment and then making it this bigger thing. He's being outplayed by Jason Tatum right now, who's been the most impressive player in the playoffs. It is what it is. But to answer your initial question, how much is he to blame? He's, he shoulders a lot of this blame. But I just don't think they were winning the series anyway because a lot of things you alluded to, they're kind of just a mess, and he wasn't going to be able to clean up the mess in time to get them out of this. So while I was listening to you, I decided Sean Mark's got to go. Like, you made horrible GM decisions. Like, I just thought about everything you did wrong. Like, it, and it didn't even take me that long to think about everything you did wrong. You, so you helped out a team that was in your division that was doing well already without having a player on their roster that wasn't playing any games in Ben Simmons. You traded, you took on that player that has a contract that's not looking good compared to his back problems versus just, Holding on to Harden, however frustrated he is, I'd rather get nothing. I'd rather get nothing and have the salary cap space in the offseason. Like, you might as well tell Harden, be like, yo, I'm not trading you. You just got to be unhappy and play. Kyrie's going to come back here eventually or halfway, whatever, whatever. If you want to walk in the end of the year and we get nothing for you, so be it. But it is what it is versus having Ben Simmons who, like, who knows what you're ever getting from this guy. And you have him under contract for at least four to five more years. And you, I'm pretty sure Seth Curry's under contract too. I think Drummond's on a one year, so you get rid of him off the books at least. But why would you want that problems versus at least just sticking out with Harden for this year? And if he leaves, then okay, he leaves, but you have that salary cap space. Now you don't even have the salary cap space. Like, 
So Sean Mark's got to go. Like, this is just idiocracy on the highest level. I want to add one more thing. Because I think, and it's funny because it, he fooled me with this. And I think he's made such, like, kind of more high-profile bad decisions that I think we overshadow and forget about, to me, his most egregious bad decision is the fact that he doesn't have a fucking wing over 6-3. On, again, it's like what we were just talking about with Toronto. It's like if you're working the NBA roster, somebody on your team got to be 6-10. Like, or at least maybe like be big baby, be, have, a little, have a little girth to him or something. Like You can't have no size. So, okay, they have centers, but I'm watching them in the series, and they have nobody for like Tatum, and they have nobody for Brown because... All their wings are 6'2". Like, how is that a thing in the NBA? You can't have that many small wings because you get beat on the boards not from your post. Well, from your post, too. But because Claxton has to get that rebound. Like, he's not exactly big either, but if he ain't getting it, basically four th- one through four, advantage Boston. So... They can't even get rebounds when they do get stops because they're so small. And it puts them in so many bad situations to where it's, they just, oh, we need a bucket. Okay, who's guarding Brown right now? Dragic? Okay, we'll just throw it to him in the post. Bucket. Because they have, like, I, it blows my mind that you go down, up and down this whole roster and they don't have a 6-7 wing. Why, how is that? A, like, is there any other roster that you can think of in the NBA that doesn't have a viable 6-7 wing. Like, Daniel House would do this team wonders. Like, he's not even some amazing basketball player. Like, he would be such a godsend for this roster right now if they just had a Daniel House. And I promise you, just like Daniel House, they picked him up off what, I think the Rockets picked him up off the G League. There's got to be some G League player ready to come in and try to guard <laughs> try to guard Brown and get rebounds. So, I'm right there with you. Sean Mark's got to go. And then, you know... Perfect thing about Sean Marks going is, you know, whoever the GM is going to get their own coach in there. So that means Steve Nash is already out. So the team's a mess. Again, they're very solid on paper, but games aren't played on paper. Because, like, to, to my point, like, Ben Simmons would be that wing. But his ass is never on the court because I don't think he really likes to play basketball like that. Like, I'm not usually the guy that come at people like this because I really think it's unfair. And I'm probably being unfair to Ben Simmons right now. But you can't say I'm coming back game four and game four coming around and talk about your back hurt. You just got done telling me that you had no pain in your back. That you were fine, feeling good as ever. You know, we're going to do this. Oh, I'm such a smart player that, you know, I play with a Seth and a KD and a Kyrie. I get them in their spots because I'm so smart. Oh, wait a minute. We're down 0-3, my back again. Like, don't do that, man. Like, you keep talking all this shit from the sideline at this point in time. Like, at this point, you got Twitter fingers. Like, because you keep telling me how good you are and how good you're this and that and your third, but you're never on the court. Like, so either get on the court or just shut the fuck up and tell you healthy enough to be on the court. I don't want to hear you no more. Like, that's just where I'm at with Ben Simmons. Like, either press mute and get healthy or keep talking and get on the court. Because we can say whatever the fuck we want to about Pat Bev and how he be chirping. His ass is out there. So, like, that's all I can say about it. He's out there competing. He's getting roasted because he's playing. Ben Simmons is out here talking, just rocking orange shades, looking like that 70s show some shit. Like, com- like at this point, I don't want to hear you no more until you're on the court. Like, the next time I hear you, you need to be mic'd up 
like on the court. Like that's the way I feel about it. You you know what's like it's perfect about having back pain is like when you have it's a perfect excuse because anybody who's ever had a little bit of back pain knows that shit sucks. It knows how uncomfortable it is. So when people say that, you give them benefit of doubt because you're like, that shit do suck when you got back pain. Like you do be into, you be like bent over and stuff, looking like an old person. So like when somebody says that, you're like, all right, I'm giving you benefit of doubt because that shit do suck when your back flare up. But with him, it's like, it's been two years of this, dog. Like, and I always come back to this. He should have known that he was pretty much getting traded. He should have been working out a month ahead, two months ahead, getting ready. Like I said, if you don't, then you shut it down. But get ready. But him not starting to even get ready until he got traded showed you all along he wasn't serious about playing ball. So I I, kind of agree with you. Like, I don't even know how much he really likes to play ball, quite honestly. Because if he did, like, I know my situation, if I was him, starting off not even playing the whole year and i think i might even be getting traded i'm getting ready to go like because as soon as i get traded i'm ready to ball i want to play that first game i want a ball so yeah i'm not sure how much my man's love ball he's like the actual nba version of the dude that talks about if i didn't blow out my knee i would have been i'd have been in the league but (laughs) he's like in the league talking about if i didn't have his back i'd be the all pro it's like, come on, man. Like, McGrady had a bad back his whole career. And uh, he missed a lot of games, but he also played in a lot of games. He also found a way to get right and and play and be there when his team lost in the first round. But he was there. You know what I mean? Like, hey, he just doesn't he doesn't show up. Yeah, hey, Steve Mash might not be a good coach, but I sure as hell saw my man laying down on that court with that bad back when he was subbed out with his hip pillow underneath his neck waiting to get called back in. He was like, oh, y'all need me? All right, man. Somebody help me up, dog. <laughs> man had 75 tiles underneath this warm-up trying to get right for that game. I know it's got to be bothering him, but he's like, looking at uh, Ben Simmons. Because even the way about they... that. I didn't even think about Steve Nash looking like, nigga, I used to be laying tiles every game. Because you could even tell the way they worded it. Because like, when they were breaking the news, I think it was Woj, and he was just like, you know, Ben Simmons said that his back hurts, and the Nets said they feel like they need to take him at his words. At his word, I'm like, they think he lying. <laughs> it's like, take him at his word. They were like, we call bullshit. Like, that's exactly what that is. He's burning so many bridges, bro. That's the big thing. It's like, it's going to be a point where he's going to be a free agent, and ain't nobody going to try to sign him because they're like, for what? Because he's still going to want, like, superstar money, and everybody's going to be like, we ain't seen you play in three years. Oh, man, we could go on and on forever with this. What do you think? I guess I've already said what I think they need. They need some wings with some size that can play. I'm not going to let you go with how, what you think they need because that's going to be a long ass. We need a whole show just to say what you think the Nets need. Obviously, they, you think they need to get rid of Kyrie, Sean Marks, Steve Dash, Ben Simmons, <laughs> Drummond. They, they need a whole overhaul. They need to just, I don't know, maybe go to uh, Nick's TNT shop and blow it up. That's what it sounds like you're saying to me. Not a full blow up. KD can stay, but you know, just you know how like houses do the outside paneling to make it look better. That's what they need. They need to do some outside panel work, maybe some roof work, and then they they be all right. All right, so let's go to series that are a little bit closer. Um, we've kind of touched on all these series throughout throughout this, um, but we have this Phoenix New Orleans series. It's two two now. New Orleans got the dub today. What are you thinking, man? Do you think Phoenix can survive this, or do we got New Orleans going to the next round? 
Man, New Orleans one of those teams that once they get in, you like, damn, we got to play the Pelicans? Like, they get in and just make a mess of things. And it, it's starting to turn. What concerns me the most about the Suns is who gonna, who going to be that third scorer? Like, who, who going to step up and be that third guy? Because right now, you know Chris Paul's going to get his, well, I mean, semi, but he's getting harassed all game by – Avrado and um, Graham, whoever Fred else, Jones. Jones, Jones are just trying to basically wear him down, which is a smart strategy when he's basically the primary ball handler for most of the game. And then uh, Aiden, who's been having a good, strong series, he he looking like he's trying to get the bag, which I don't know why he hasn't yet, but he's been playing solid. But they don't have a third guy, and with Booker out, you need that bucket get. That's you know. For all that Booker can't do or isn't his strengths, his strength is getting buckets, and that's what they need at this moment. So they got to find a third guy. I I think it's got to be Cam Johnson. I think he has the most potential of being that third guy consistently. I don't know if that comes with maybe starting him because I don't. I didn't see today who's or I didn't see who's been starting. He started. Is he starting? Okay. I didn't see his stat line or what it's looking like, but I think he's got to be the guy to step up. I think that's kind of what they drafted him for, not to basically be maybe their third scorer, but a guy who they could get some production out of if something like this happens. So I think that's got to be the guy to step up for the Suns. I do believe they still are, oh, actually roster-wise, they're a little closer than you think, but I I still believe in the Suns. They, you know, top. They were a good team all year for a reason, even with injuries and stuff. So I do believe they pull through. I just believe this is going to take a lot out of them, more than they wanted to, more energy than they wanted to use in the first round. Frankly, I don't know who wins this series, but I think they're going to be in the conference championship because I don't believe in Utah or Dallas. So I think I, I don't know, but I really kind of want to pick the Pelicans just because I think they're the more dangerous team. I think Chris Paul at this point in his career isn't really someone who wants to be a primary scorer. So in this current situation, he kind of has to be a primary scorer. Um, I think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> so uh, unless Bridges really steps up, because I think Bridges can score. I don't think it's what he's used to doing. Um, I think if campaign can't do what he's needs to be doing, then they need to switch to Aaron Holiday because they did trade for Aaron Holiday. So I think that might be a move they have to make towards it's like, hey, I love you, Cam, but you ain't doing what I need you to do, so we got to try somebody else out. But if none of that works. We already know McCollum's getting buckets, and we know Ingram's getting buckets, and that's something they can rely on, and that's something that is going to be consistent. So in a close game right now, I think I like the way the Pelicans look. And so for me, what's going to happen if I'm going to make a prediction, the Pelicans win this series – and then they beat whoever comes out of Utah, Dallas, and they lose pretty handedly to more than likely Golden State. And then we're in this mode where we're saying, okay, well, now the Pelicans, they're the next up to become a team. And then they take a step back next year because we realize that they kind of got in the situation to where they were in a fortunate situation. And it wasn't so much that they ascended as so much as Booker got hurt. So that's my now prediction and my future prediction as far as what happens for the Pelicans, but I do think they end up beating Phoenix because I just think Phoenix is going to run out of gas because I don't think Chris Paul is at this point in his career is really built to give you 25 a night. And I think that's kind of what they're going to need from him. So I have a question for you going back to the Pelicans and you kind of talking about 
them making their run and everybody saying that they're kind of the next team up or up and coming team. If they make the right moves in the offseason, could they actually be an up? Because I think they have good parts to be a team that could make another run next year if they do the right things in the offseason. Do you believe that, too, that if they made the right moves, they, they could kind of keep this momentum going a la kind of like the Suns when they made their bubble run? Absolutely. I mean, I already said I think they have a great piece of trade in Zion because I don't think Zion fits at all. Um, I really like the their role players, man. Like they have really solid role players, and the cool thing about it for them is they're all rookies, so they're not like they're going to be commanding that much money. And you probably have them under contract for a while because Herb Jones and Trey Murphy are both rookies. Alvarado is probably a little different. Actually, they just signed Alvarado to like a three-year deal because he was an uh, UDFA. So they have the role players here for the next couple of years. So in my opinion, like I said, I think they're probably better off with like a finishing center. Like a Honestly, that Hawks trade to me sounds perfect. If they are able to get like a John Collins and Capella and you get rid of Valanchunas and you get rid of um, Zion and then you probably bring back a first round pick or two because you're the one trading Zion. I think that helps them a lot. They get better defensively. John Collins can still score, um, but he can also shoot in the corner. And then you can get another first round pick to give you another role player. And then you're looking at like nine, 10 deep. I really think they could be that team. I don't trust David Griffin. I think he's a very overrated GM. He just so happened to be the GM of the Cavs when LeBron said he wanted to come back. Like, if you're the GM and LeBron's on your team, I don't think that makes you astute. You're just like, hey, let me get LeBron. Then people want to play for me because they want to win a ship because they want to win with LeBron. I'm not, you know, it doesn't make you a genius. So I don't think he's that good of a GM. I think he's kind of glorified because of LeBron days. And then this idea that this Anthony Davis trade was a good trade. I don't think it was. I've I've said that ad nauseum. Now, I will give him credit that I think the CJ McCollum trade, at first I was like, what are you doing? I can see the vision now. Like, <laughs> I get it. So I will give him a lot of credit for that because I thought it was kind of, I thought they shot their gun a little early, but it turns out I think they're on something there. Um, so, yeah, I do think they could end up being that team. I just have zero trust that David Griffin makes the right moves to get this done. So I guess we're going to kind of stick with the same theme. I got New Orleans moving on. I think Phoenix needs another score. I think they need a wing score. Somebody, again, a hired gun. All they want to do is score probably more of a wing than a than a point guard. Because right now I feel like their best one-on-one scores outside of Booker are all six foot. And I don't think that's necessarily the best formula. So... Somebody who's just a bucket, the bucket getter, that's probably more in the 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six range, which I feel like shouldn't be that hard to find because I think there's a lot of flawed basketball players that can put the ball in the bucket, in the basket, but they can't do other things. I think this is a scenario that you can find a guy that can go get you some points. Like, kind of reminds me of, like, let's say, I don't know if you remember Jordan McRae that played for Washington for a while. And he was always on really bad teams, but like I know you play DraftKings. Anytime he got some minutes, he'd give you probably like twenty a night, like something like that. It's just a dude that otherwise wouldn't play much, but when you do play him, he's out there to get buckets, and that's all he wants to do, and that's what he does well. So I think that's findable. I think that's doable. Um, but yeah, I, and then obviously they got to re up Aiton because that window closes real quick if. Um, Aiton isn't able to come back and then 
now you're looking for a center. So I still think Phoenix is a championship contending team. They just ran some bad luck with with Booker getting hurt. Um, but yeah, I think New Orleans wins the series. So let's move to the Utah versus Dallas series. Um, who do you think comes out of that series um, and why? Uh, I'm going to go with Dallas still. I think they're still the better overall team. Utah is another one of those teams where they have people on the court. Sometimes you're looking around and you're like, dang, what is this person out here to do? Like Royce O'Neal the other night, I was just like, what are you out here doing? Like until he hit like, I think two shots in a row. He was, my man was just out there just getting straight cardio. He was on his Tony Snell. Like I'm sure he probably picked up a rebound or assist or something, but he was out there just running around. And I, I just don't like this Utah roster. I, you know, I've been kind of talking about it for a while. They need to come to Nick's TNT shop. Like, come on down. Let's let's blow it up. Let's let's get this thing going. And I, you see it now. Especially like, I think they won that last game because well, Jason Kidd isn't a good coach and he just made dumb mistakes. But I just don't like this roster, man. This is a team that just needs too much scoring. Rudy Gobert doesn't give enough for me in the middle uh, offensively. Yeah, he's in there doing his defensive thing, but at times, like you can scheme him out of games. So if you got if you can scheme somebody's best defensive player out of games, then that's not really a good thing for them. And with their best player being Donovan Mitchell, I go back to my Tatum rule. You know, if is your player better, equal, or less, and their best player is less. Therefore, Utah, you're probably not winning the ship. So I think it's time to rework this roster, get young, get athletic, man. Get some people who can get out there and run. I think this this team needs to become a running team. If you're especially probably going to keep Mitchell and uh, seemingly move on from Gobert, get younger, get athletic, get out and move it, man. Get, don't be a half-court team because it's not really your thing because you're not throwing it inside. You don't really have the shooters for that. So I think this team's got to get way younger and athletic, put some dudes around Donovan Mitchell where he can get up, up and down the court with. Didn't they just give Rudy Gobert $40 million a year? Didn't that just happen? Like, how are they just going to come up off of him like that? I mean, I've seen come off, I've seen teams come off of worse, I mean, but that's pretty close to, like, the worst. Here, here's the thing. I said it when it happened. You can't give somebody $40 million that you have to take off the court because... He's a liability, right? Like you can't, you can't make the adjustment. Like forty million dollar players, you don't go. We need to make an adjustment. We got to get him out the game. Like you can't. There should never be a scenario. Like we're talking about Stephen Adams in the Grizzlies series that we'll come up to later. They decided he wasn't a good fit for the series. They pull him. Stephen Adams is overpaid, but at the same time, it doesn't bother anybody. Like okay, that makes sense. You can't have your highest paid player be that dude that you're like, okay, you got to come sit because you don't fit like 40 million need, needs to fit at all times. Like there can't be scenarios of which your 40 million ass don't fit. So it's just not a good roster construction. It's a regular season team. They play hard. They rely on the jump shot. They only have really one guy that, well, I guess two guys. Cause Conley does get to the basket this has not been his best series. I hope he's not a free agent after this year because this is not how you get a bag. Uh, he's the he's the anti Brunson right now because <laughs> Brunson's out here getting the bag and Conley is not. Um, it's just not an impressive team. It's just for me, it just isn't. Um, I think 
but neither is Dallas for me. Like, I don't, I'm not impressed by Dallas. Like, Luka's impressive. I like Brunson individually, but again, their three best players all do the same kind of thing. They need the ball in their hands and they can go make something happen. So when Luka comes back, you kind of nerf Brunson a little bit and you definitely hinder Dimwitty because now he's your third scorer like, and he needs the ball in his hands. So they're very redundant as far as their best three players. Their bigs, I mean, are just there. I mean, they're, they're on an NBA roster. I mean, I guess that, that counts for something. But, like, it's not anything to write home about. So it's just not a good team, like, roster anyway. So, like, I don't think Jason Kidd's a good coach, but I will give him the credit that he's done pretty well with this roster because this isn't a fourth-seed roster, in my opinion. Again, I think that speaks to how bad the West is. I'll just say that. But at any rate, he still had to go do it, and he had to win games, and he did that. So... I just don't like either one of these teams. That's why I think they lose to whoever they play in the next round. And it's hard for me to even pick one. It's like somebody's got to win. I guess I'll go with Dallas because I'll go with my best player rule. Like if I don't, if Ty goes to the team with the best player on the court and the best player on the court is Luca pretty easily. So yeah, I mean, I guess Dallas goes to the next round just based on that rule. So I got, I got a couple questions for you uh, regarding the Mavericks. First one, Going back to my Tatum rule, is Doncic equal, better, or less? I would say equal. I'm a big fan of Tatum. That's probably why I don't like your Tatum rules because I'm really <laughs> high on Tatum. But and I'm just like, ooh, that's I like, a tough one. I think it's a, a good rule though. Like I think if I'm not going by getting to I'm just saying a chance to win a championship. I think it's a good rule because you have to have the high end player. And I think I think Tatum is the bottom. I think that's as low as you can go, in my opinion. And I'm not, and that's not even low. I'm just saying, I just think if you go lower than that, you're getting in the danger range of not having a lot of wiggle room. If you gave me like the Paul George rule, I'd I'd be <laughs> I'd feel better about it. You know what I mean? Because like I think Tatum's better than Paul George, but I think Paul George is good enough to be your best player. Now you need some shit around him. Don't get me wrong; he ain't winning it by himself. Like he ain't Kawhi, but. <laughs> I think I just, I just think Tatum's a really high bar because I'm I, if I'm putting the top ten together, I think Tatum's like seven somewhere around I mean, there. But if you think about it, then legitimately seven teams have a chance to win a ship, and that's that sounds about right, right? I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like I'm if just, I do the top ten. No, I'm right, just saying like, though, if you if you're telling me Tatum's about seven, so then you're telling me that there's six other teams, Tatum, and then six other teams that have players equally better or equal or better than 17 sounds about right for a chance to win a ship. Like you don't want too many. Cause I mean, that's this crazy parody. That's, but you don't want, you know what I mean? Like, so but, I mean, I think, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is that Tatum's better than anybody on Phoenix. And I think Phoenix healthy is, is a championship caliber team. Like that's the first thing that jumps to my mind is like Phoenix. Like that's where I go to right off the bat. And Devin Booker ain't better than, than Tatum. And this iteration of uh, Chris Paul ain't better than Tatum. And we're not even going to have this conversation with DeAndre Aiden and Tatum. <laughs> so at that point, I'm like, okay, but that's a championship-level team in my mind. I mean, they were up 2-0 in the finals last year, pretty much the same roster. 
didn't end up working out, but still, like, they could have won that championship, right? It wasn't like that was some blowout. They never had a shot. So that's, I I think it's probably because outside of Phoenix, it probably holds, really. Like, when I really think about it, like, there's not really another team that I think would be an exception to that rule. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's not a terrible rule. I don't have a huge issue with it. Because, like I said, if the Clippers were healthy, Kawhi. Kawhi is that guy. So, you know, and I guess it pretty much holds outside of Phoenix. I just I just feel like it's a really high bar. As soon as you said I was like, ooh, damn, that's 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 for a lot of teams if that's true because it, it does. <laughs> but I, it does, but I like it. I was like I was like, it sucks for a lot of teams, but I was like, eh, it kinda makes sense. I was like, you kinda need a high end and I was like, I think the, and then I was like, I think that's the lowest you could probably go. So but uh going back to Dallas one more thing. I personally feel like they need a guy inside, somebody maybe with a, who can screen and roll, catch some lobs, get a couple bucks inside. Who's that guy that they could get? Like, is there someone out there in the top, this top of your head that you think that would fit in Dallas? Because they tried to do the Porzingis thing. That clearly didn't work. Um, I do like Den. I think they have a couple too many ball handlers, like you said, that kind of need the ball in their hands to do their own thing. What's their fit inside? They got. They need somebody inside. Like they're even their big guys. Like Kleber, he's trying to take threes. Uh, Pal, I guess, but he ain't really got no inside moves. So like, who fits with that roster? Maybe a Julius Randle type guy that's kind of we kind of forgot about because he wasn't as good as he was last year. But as a he's not a number one really, but I think he's a hell of a number two. So if you could find a way to maybe because I know he's out of favor with New York right now anyway, maybe try to do a sign and trade with Jalen Brunson, bring in Randall, and then now you have a. A inside presence that can actually score. He can still shoot a little bit too. He doesn't have to be the guy because it's going to be Luca. I think that would probably be what I'm looking for, somewhere around there. As I say that, I'm like, shit. The Pelicans probably need to be like, hey, like, let's do that instead because, like, y'all can have Zion. We get Julius Randle. I think that's a better fit. So, um, something like that is probably what I'm thinking. I think that's a, a gettable thing. Yeah, you, you said it, and then all of a sudden you said the Pelicans. I was like, yeah, Zion wants to be in New York anyway. I think the Pelicans go sneak in and take that. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. Pelicans do that. I think they're fucking dangerous. Like, that gets that gets serious real quick. It does I'm get like, serious ooh. real quick. Because then you're like, ooh, now you got some inside scoring along with Ingram, and uh, it becomes a Laker reunion, and then you add in C.J. McCollum. Woo! Yeah, they got, they got yeah, some then- things going. And then Randall doesn't necessarily clog the lane because he can shoot. Like he's not the greatest shooter, but he can shoot it a little bit. Like you have to at least respect it. But back to the Dallas thing, I think that's who I would at least target. Um, I keep saying the name John Collins. I don't think that moves the meter enough, but that I think you can get him, and then you'd have to add something else. Like you'd have. To, but Randall, I think, would put them. I still wouldn't say championship caliber, but I think it would put them closer. They'd be on something. All right, let's run this last series real quick, and then we got to talk some shit about a certain umpire, and then we'll we'll get up out of here. Um, This Memphis-Minnesota series is wild, and it's very interesting, and it's super intriguing for a number of different reasons. Um, I think Memphis ends up winning the series. I think basically two reasons. I think Minnesota from a player standpoint 
I've never been a fan of the of the term doesn't know how to win. But I don't think there's a more fitting example of that than it is Minnesota. And I've always also rejected this idea of like playoff experience really mattering. And I still kind of do, but I think what that translates to is you can't get away with dumb basketball in the playoffs because the teams are too good and the margin for error is too small. So I think the idea is as you get older, you become a smarter basketball player. And then we kind of call that playoff experience. My concern is is I don't think Minnesota is getting any smarter anytime soon. I don't think it matters how many years. Because at this point, they've been in the league long enough to where I feel like if you were going to get smarter about this, you would already have done it. So we've talked about the West already and as far as like how I feel about them and the contenders. And what's frustrating about Minnesota is I feel like from a talent standpoint, they have a chance to be damn near the best team in the West. Like they have that kind of talent on their roster, but they're not even in the conversation because of how dumb of basketball they play. And that's really frustrating for me because Cat has the talent to be like, that guy, you know what I mean? Like he could do some Embiid level stuff, not all the way there, but he has talent to be very close in my mind. He's just not smart. So he's always going to get in his own way. Anthony Edwards, huge talent. I think there's still hope for him to get kind of more savvy and smarter than that, but he, he plays some dumb basketball too. And it concerns me because of the environment he's in. It's hard to get smarter around people like in order to be smarter, you got to keep people around you who are smarter than you. Like I've always heard that. Like if you want to keep improving and being smarter, you need people around you smarter than you. I don't know if anybody around him on that roster is any smarter than he is right now. I think they're all pretty much about the same level. So that concerns me about him. D'Lo, I think D'Lo actually probably generally plays smart basketball. He takes some dumb shots every now and then, but he doesn't make a ton of dumb decisions. That's more of the Carl Anthony Towns slash Patrick Beverly type on that roster, but it's just a really frustrating thing. Cause I look at them and I'm like, man, when from a talent standpoint, it's a lot of it out here. Cause even McDaniels shows some talent. Vanderbilt's like the perfect role player to me. Like he's out here doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. We see Malik Beasley can get you 20 on any given night. I like Torian Prince a lot. He's on that roster. McLaughlin's coming out here, hitting threes. I'm like, man, there's a lot of talent on this team, but They'll never get out of their own way right now. Like, they're going to need, they need their Udonis Haslam. Like, Kevin Garnett needs to come out of retirement and just be on the roster and just hold it down for Minnesota and just get people online or something. Cause that team, to me, has a chance. Like, we were talking about the Pelicans, piece or two away can be that next team. I think Minnesota's right there. The difference is, is that the Pelicans don't play dumb basketball. <laughs> Like, and that matters. It really does. So I've said a lot of words to say that I think Memphis prevails because I think they're the smarter team. But honestly, I don't think they're the more talented team. I think Minnesota is the more talented team. I think that's why it's 2-2. But I think they're going to get in their own way and Memphis ends up finding a way to to win this series. I know I had asked you, I think it was when the series was 1-0. I, I think I texted you and asked you, is Memphis one of those teams that does good during the regular season because they play hard every game? And I can't remember your answer, but that is my reason why I'm picking them because 
I believe they will play harder every game and they won't be as dumb as Minnesota. And I think that wins out in the long run. Now, I, that, you know, I'm just, I was asking that question and they may be more talented and not just a try hard team, but I do think that that goes a long way, especially in the playoffs. And when we're talking about a T-Wolves team that, I mean, I've never seen so many people watch a basketball game and all at the same time be like, wow, this is a really dumb basketball team. Like it is a (laughs) consensus that this team isn't very smart. Like, and, and we're not even saying they're dumb people. We're not saying that. We're just saying they don't have good basketball IQs a lot of the time. Like, that's what we're talking about. We're not saying that they're dumb people in general. It's, we're just talking about basketball, strictly basketball IQ. So when we're talking that and the effort that the Grizzlies are going to give in, give game in and game out, I don't know if I'm getting that from the T-Wolves. I know I'm getting that from Patrick Beverly, but am I getting that from Carl Anthony Towns? I know I'm probably I'm getting that from uh, Mr. Edwards, but am I getting that from Russell on this game? You know, so... I just know what I'm getting on a more consistent level from the Grizzlies, and I like that better. Even though I like the talent on the T-Wolves, I just like the consistency level that I'm going to get with the Grizzlies game to game, and that's why I like the Grizzlies going forward in this series. I think they I think they come out and win two more uh, straight. I think um, they're going to get it together and start to kind of get this thing going, and I just don't – I don't know if I believe in Minnesota's – uh, ability to play smart basketball, and I just don't know if I believe in this coaching staff. Coach got to go. I'll say that right now because he ain't helping. Like he don't see. He seemed like he fit in right with. Like he don't seem any smarter. Like from a basketball standpoint, like you're up twenty six. How does the team go twenty one zero before you call a timeout? How you think ten zero? You'd be like, okay, let's let's talk this over. Twenty one zero? Like you like. That's your whole lead. It's gone. Like you, you just watched it go away. I don't understand. So I don't know. Like to answer your question, I don't think Memphis is just a try hard team. I think there's a lot of talent on the team. I don't think they've only played one good game and it's two two. Like the game was it two when they blew them out? Like they played well that game. Morant really hasn't played shot the ball particularly well. I won't say he hasn't played well. He hasn't shot the ball particularly well. Jaron Jackson Jr. Damn near hasn't been on the court all series because he's been in foul trouble the whole time. That's one of their better players, and we haven't even seen him. Brooks hasn't really shot the ball well. But Bain's pretty much the only player that I would say has played well the whole series. And they're up 2-2. I mean, it's, I mean, it's 2-2. So I think the team has a lot of talent. We're not really seeing Morant that led the league in points in the paint, like which is still crazy to me that a guy that little led the league in points in the paint. Like We have a center who led the league in scoring, but John Morant led the league in points in the paint. Like, isn't that crazy? Like Giannis Antetokounmpo plays in this league and John Morant is the guy that led the league in scoring in the paint. But I think they'll be better. Honestly, I think they'll get through this. And I think that Golden State Memphis matchup, I know you'll be rooting for Memphis to try to say that you're <laughs> the windows closed. Damn it. Look at Memphis. Um, but I think that's a. I think they match up really well with them, so I think that'll be a very fun series. I hope we get that because Minnesota's just too damn dumb to play against Golden State. Golden State will run through them just from like they're the opposite when it comes to IQ, and that that'll be a a sweep or a five game series just because yeah, that's just not gonna work. So 
I really hope we get to see this Memphis Golden State series, and I think that we will. Is what Minnesota needs just a new coaching staff and a veteran? Like they don't even need someone to play; they just need a veteran presence that can like teach people the game. Like really, is the way I look at it. Like a mentor. Yeah, they just need a they need a coach upgrade and a mentor, and they're off and running. Maybe another like solid role player, even though we kind of like the roster. Another guy never hurts. Just another guy that can do a little bit of everything, and I think I think they're there. So let's say Memphis. Like, what do you think stops? Man, I, I said it last year, and I I'll say it again. A fucking Demar Derozan for this roster would be wonderful. Like a guy that's just a bucket. Because I don't think they really have a pure bucket on their team. Like Bang can heat it he up, but I think he's probably more of a shooter than yeah. a scorer at this point in his career. Um, Morant obviously can get you buckets, but I think at some points in crush times he might have struggled because of his jumper. Like I'm not really relying on him taking an 18 footer contested. Like I'm not. I don't feel comfortable with that personally. But if they just got a like a solid, just a score, just I, I just need a. I know this can't happen, but if they got Bradley Beal, would they be the best team in the West? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's that'd be like the ideal fit. That's a bucket right there. That's like a, that's a guy that I haven't even heard his name in a while. I'm pulled Bradley Bill. Yeah, like that dude because <laughs> he's just out there and they, no, Washington won't do anything. Like if I'm if I'm any team, I'm like, yeah. What will I'll call him Washington as soon as the season over? What does it take to get Bradley Bill off of you? Like half my franchise? Sure, why not? Like I'll give you picks for the next ten years. Like just let me have him, please. Because he's one of those like yeah. to me, especially like. He's already under contract. You ain't got to worry about that. Like, you just need him on your roster. <laughs> yeah, that that would be a absolute problem. Uh, but like you said, it's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're really like one guy away from being the best team in the West, potentially. And Bradley Bill is definitely that guy. I don't even think they need to go that high, but um, wouldn't hurt. Like, why not, right? Um Okay, we've ran down through the playoffs. We've done all that. We've done it for about an hour and a half now. Let's talk a little baseball, and specifically, Angel Hernandez had another terrible day at the plate. He's not a batter. He's an umpire. Like, Here's a rule of thumb. If we know you by name and you are an official, whether it's a referee or an umpire, you're probably not good at your job. Like, that's pretty much how that works. Because I recognize most of the NFL officials. I don't know their names. I just know their face. I'm just like, oh, I've seen that dude before. The ones that I know their names, it's usually because they did something really bad and dumb in the past. And so their name became synonymous with that. Like Scott Foster, Joey Crawford. We know those guys because of their bloopers, basically. Angel Hernandez is that dude. How is he still allowed to be an umpire? Because baseball has the strongest unions on this earth. Like, I don't know who was putting together the unions for them. Uh, what's my man uh, back in the day who was used to put the unions together and then he went missing and they never found his body? The name escapes me, but it's going to come back to me. It was a movie. It was uh, Al, was it Al Pacino or uh, the other dude, whatever. I, I'll come back to it. I'll figure it out when you talk. Al Capone? No. 
No, no, no. That's a no, that's, boss. No. I'll figure it out when yeah. you talk in a second. But um, no, he's the worst. Like he is literally the reason why they're gonna go to robot umps in less than two years because he's so bad at his job. Like he calls strikes that are like inches out of this. Like I watch a lot of baseball. I'm gonna give you credit if it's a, if it's a little bit outside the box, but you know it's if you move it half an inch, it's gonna touch the line. You know what I mean? Like. My man be five good inches outside the plate talking about it's a strike. Dog, are you serious? Like, where are you lined up at? Are you lined up to the side of the plate? Like, and he's just consistently bad. He's not even one of those, uh, like, Scott Foster. Scott Foster has the reputation of, is Chris Paul on your team? Okay, you're probably fucked for the night. Like, but Angel Hernandez, he ain't even that guy. He's, oh, Angel behind the plate? We both fucked for the night. Like, (laughs) <laughs> like he ain't even advantage to anybody. Like he's just a disadvantage to everyone. So like that's how he ruins the game. He's just bad at his job. And because baseball unions are so strong, he can't get up out of there. Like at this point, he's a Supreme Court justice, like judge. Like he there for life. He, until he quits or dies. Like that's how long Angel Hernandez is gonna be there. So I'm glad you brought up the fact that you said he's gonna be the reason why they have robot umps. Because I thought of an analogy. I'm a dad. My kids love cars, the movie Cars, Cars 2 in particular. In case you are dying to see the movie and haven't seen it yet, this is a spoiler alert. It's a very long analogy, but I'm going to get there. So the plot of the movie basically is they have this thing called All in All, which is a certain type of fuel, and everybody loves it. But then this guy who has all the stock and regular gas, he tries to make all in all look really bad so that everybody goes back to regular gas, but he's also the inventor of all in all. So everybody's like, well, why would he be the one that wants everybody to go back to regular gas? I feel like that's Angel Hernandez. He must have all the stock and robot umps and (laughs) no one suspects that he's going to be the guy that sabotages the regular umps because he is a regular ump. But like, he's just doing terrible just so that everybody goes to the robot umps and he gets all the money because he actually owns all the robot umps. Like it's gotta be something like that. If he, if this was the case, I'd be like, you know what? You playing chess, everybody else playing checkers, but it's gotta be something like that. Cause he's that bad. He's been that bad. It's not even like, it's like, Oh, he had a bad seat. Like he's been that bad for years and he's still here. He's basically a Supreme court justice. Like you said, like you just can't fire him. I guess it's just, it just is what it is. He's got the job for life. It's just, I don't, I'm not even really that avid of a baseball fan. Like, I shouldn't know your name. Like, I like baseball. I I watch it. I enjoy it. But I'm not enough of a baseball fan to where I should know any umpires' names. I can't name any other umpires. Like, that's how bad Angel Hernandez is. And somebody's got to find a way to get his ass up out the paint. Like, because I'm, I'm tired of hearing his name. I don't want to know umpires' names. I shouldn't know their names. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa is the guy I was talking about, the union dude who uh, mysteriously disappeared. That's one. And, uh, yeah, Andrew Hernandez, this is the worst. Like, if you if he, we found out he had stocking robots, that would be the definition of <laughs> chestnut checkers or the dude uh, gif pointing to his head like, you got to think, you got to be smart. So, yeah, he'd be ahead of the game. That would be the ultimate, like, I got y'all fools. Y'all thought I was dumb. Look at me now. I'm on my super yacht chilling moment. He going to retire too on the spot. As soon as the robot ups come around, he's like, all right, I'm out. I got my two Billy. I'm gone. (laughs) Yeah, I I hope for his sake that's what it is. 
All right, we've talked long enough. Uh, we have the NFL draft coming up on Thursday. We're going to have a little special and, and recap that in more detail. But what we wanted to do for our Bring It Home segment is just ask you a simple question, and that is, what player do you want your team to draft in this upcoming NFL draft? We'll start with you, Nick. Who do you want the Cowboys to draft? Uh, well, I think we – I don't know if it's like a top priority need, but I would really love a receiver to play Samari Cooper. As much as I love Lamb, uh, Gallup coming off the injury, uh, Wilson signed other, elsewhere, I believe we need, you know, somebody to fill in that, that spot. And I really like, you know, I like my man Drake London from USC. You know, every time you come, come around my London, London bridge, got, you know, so – I, I like Drake London. I, I hope we can maybe get a receiver in this draft. There's a lot of them out there um, up for grabs, but that would really be cool if we could grab somebody that could produce off a rip for this team that um, seemingly you know lost one of the better route runners in the league. Yeah, I think that would be a, a very good pick. You guys have done it before. We're a team that you guys, we felt like you had good enough receivers and you went and got CD Lamb and it worked out. So why not do it again? Why not both? Um, so for me, I'm going to actually go back on my word a little bit because I went over how I think the Falcons should get a receiver in the first round. I told you kind of went over the whole spiel. While I still love my intent with that, I think how, how deep the receiver draft class is, we can still do that with a second or a third even and get a really good receiver because I think the receiver, receiving class is that deep. So with the first pick, I would like to see them target Kayvon Thibodeau because it has been so long since we've had a viable pass rusher, and it would be nice to have one of those. I think John Abraham is the last time we had a defensive end that was like a a really good pass rusher, and that's been some years. Like John Abraham was a while ago. So having somebody that can get to the quarterback consistently and be that Next guy would be a wonderful thing. Um, I think Thibodeau can be that guy. There's a chance he's still there, whereas a guy like um, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be long gone. I think he's pretty much projected to be the first pick. So I'm going with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Hopefully he's there at eight. If not, then just give me a pass rusher that can – I need a – give me a, a Bosa or a – Khalil Mack. I'm not asking for much. Just one of the greatest pass rushers to do it. That's all I need at eight. Give me something like that. <laughs> anyway, that's the time we've had. We've spent a lot of time talking the playoffs. I hope you guys enjoyed us breaking it down for about an hour and 45, somewhere around there. So um, we'll talk to you guys really soon because we're going to break down the NFL draft, um, talk about what your team should be looking for, and give our kind of opinions on what is going to come on Thursday and what we think should happen and kind of the players in this draft. But until then, you guys enjoy some playoff basketball, and we'll holler at you guys real soon. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content. 